What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast show. My name is Dawn Richard, and I'm super grateful to be here with my new friend and colleague, Kendra Beck. Hi, Kendra. Hi. <laughs> um, I was on Kendra's podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she has an amazing story. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need you on my podcast. So thanks for being here. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> so Kendra Kendra has a podcast. Um, she's a legislative advocate, <clears throat> pro-C litigant. Um, all efforts to educate and stop parental alienation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yet during the day, she's a B- B2B strategic marketer. You're like a jack of all trades, Kendra. <laughs> <laughs> when she am <laughs> when she's not creating or fighting for change you can find her hiking doing crossfit boating four-wheeling and riding horses how cool is that <laughs> i am i am i guess i do a little bit of everything don't i <laughs> you do what's your favorite one of all those things that i that i, that I said the horses And because it's my therapy going out in the barn and relating to animals, it is equine therapy is really, truly a thing because it's it helps my heart. Tell me how you got into that, because I just listened to another podcast of a veteran who survived a lot of stuff over in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And now he does a lot of equine therapy. Yes. Um, You know, I grew up with horses. So my mom's always had a horse. So I grew up knowing them. Then we got into my family races horses. So I've always kind of been around them. And then when my son connected with animals and his love of animals, that was kind of our thing to do together. So I leased him a horse and we would go out to the barn all the time. And I found that it not only helped him, but it helped me. And so now that's what I do is I lease myself a horse. So how, how does it help you? Calms me down, um, gives me something a little different to think about, a little bit different than during my day. I'm actually focused on the horse and attending to his needs, but I also feel like he's giving it back to me. And it's not somebody that's talking back to me or giving me an opinion, just is there to love me, right? And I have a dog, but it's totally different. It's just, it is just amazingly different, challenges you in a different way. I was just thinking, um, when you, I've only ridden a couple of times in my life, but because they're so strong and sturdy, I wondered if you felt more grounded, even though you're, you know, it's like they're so connected to the earth. I never looked at it that way. That, that it, it provides this sense of, of stability and safety. Could very well could be. Hmm. Could be. I, I could see that as a security for me and, and connected to the earth and just stable. And, um, but they still have some unpredictability, right? Yeah. You, they're still animals. Right. And so you still have to be on guard, but right. you also feel a sense of them protecting you. Uh-huh. So interesting. Yeah. That's what I was going to say because every time I've like petted a, a horse, it's like they have these really gentle eyes. 
Yes. And so yes. there's something soothing or calming. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So you, uh, I mean, you've had a really incredible, uh, challenging journey through your divorce. And so we're going to talk a lot about that because you have not seen your kids. How long? Um, two to four years, roughly. Yeah. I was thinking about that this morning, getting ready for this podcast. And I thought I would freak out. I would freak out. So we're going to talk about how have you freaked out? Yeah. This must have been the most difficult, um, most difficult thing you've ever experienced in your life. A hundred percent. Yes. So tell me, tell me, um, I guess I wanted to start off telling me how was your divorce process? Like, how did you decide to get divorced? Um, and then what happened? Because your podcast is called The Aftermath, right? That's correct. Yep. And so you are living, still living the aftermath of your divorce. Yeah. Um, four years later. Yes. So, you know, it was my decision to file for the divorce mm-hmm. based on patterns that of unhealthy relationships that my ex had with the opposite sex. Uh-huh. I tried counseling. I, I tried to talk to him to, you know, see if we could correct it. At one point he said, well, if it doesn't work out, if I go this way, this fork in the road, can I come back to you? And that was kind of my boundary where I thought I'm, I'm not going to put myself up for um, just sit here and wait. Negotiation. Negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a, a choice of if it doesn't work out, okay, you're my second option. No, as your wife, I should be your first option. Yeah. So did he you know, want a, did he want an open marriage? No. No. He was the one that came to me and said that he wasn't happy uh-huh. and I didn't love him enough. And so he he found um joy and other things. So uh-huh. But it was very interesting when it comes down to it, you kind of question yourself. And I think that's what he was doing to see if that was really the right choice that he had uh-huh. made at that point. And that's why he was like, well, I know you don't have anything else on the other side of the field. So if it doesn't work out for me on this side, can I still, you know, come back to you? Um, but, but I, I, I didn't want my boys to see several things. I didn't want my boys to see that it was okay to have a relationship even emotional relationship with somebody of the opposite sex to the extent that it was. Uh And other than your wife, right. Or your husband, depending on which sex. So I didn't want my kids to see that. I didn't want my kids to see the fighting and the arguing. I didn't want my kids to be exposed to just some of the trauma, I guess that you live through in the household. And I came, we actually both came, my ex and I both came from, parents that had been married for years. So mm-hmm. not divorce doesn't really run in the family. Mm-hmm. So this was new. This was a, a newly traveled road for both of us. And how long had you been married at the time? 10 years. 10 years. 10 and years, two kids. Uh-huh. So at the time they were six and 10. Uh-huh. And he wasn't willing to go to therapy? Went to therapy, but was not open to it. Oh. So it was basically like, I'm not going to consider anything that the therapist is saying. No. 
Correct. Mm. Correct. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's nothing wrong here. We don't need to fix anything. Uh-huh. And she even divulged that an emotional relationship with somebody else is even worse than a physical relationship with someone else because you just have that connection, that deeper intimacy with that person. And so that really struggle that makes your other relationship struggle, right? So you can't work on that until you really want to cut ties with the other relationship. And he was not willing to do that at that point. Uh And the other, the other question I have is um, because how, and I, and I experienced this in my own marriage too. Like I, because my former husband, um, we would have conversations and he would speak and then he would say, I'm done when it was my turn to speak. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I constantly felt silenced. Um, so I, I always wonder like, why did he feel safe going to somebody else rather than coming to you and talking to you about what was really going on for him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't answer that. You know, am I perfect? No. Was I probably not the best wife or did everything correct? Right. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? We can always work on ourselves. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, I think what had happened is it was a cup. We were friends with the couple. And so we went out to get pizza every week with them. Uh And I think it just evolved into, oh, well, it's okay if I just go out with her when you're out of town with the kids and we all Uh spend time together. And it just evolved from there. I don't think it was purposeful or meant to create harm like it did. Uh Uh-huh. But he wasn't willing to to turn back to you. No. And, you know, I had told him that I thought our relationship had kind of gotten stale. It does, right? 10 years, two young kids. I have a career. He was working full time. You literally, it's just a grind, right? That's what a relationship is at that point when they're so young. It's a grind. It's like, okay, they're taking the babysitter. You got to get them packed for the next day. You're, you know, they're going to school. You got to get their school stuff ready. You, you do dinner when you get home and then you get up the next day and it's Groundhog Day and you do it all over again. You go to work and then you, you do the same thing, right? What are we going to have for dinner? Get the kids bathed, right? Schoolwork done. Right. And so we felt more like roommates. Day to day. It's just the day to day routine. Yes. That yes. gets boring and monotonous and not creative and not uh, interesting and people get bored. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that. And and I had told him that and I wanted to work on that. But I think at that point, it was probably too late. Mm. Well, so. that's, you know, that's always my question. Like what, how much time, energy and effort are you putting into mm-hmm. creating what you want out of the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so he was just unwilling to to do that. Yes. Yes. And so you said this doesn't work for me. <laughs> yep. Yep. This this isn't the way that, you know, I want to be perceived or live my life. So mm-hmm. is in question or if I'm second choice or things like that. So mm-hmm. So how did you have the courage to say let's just get divorced because you know a lot of times people stay because it's easier just to deal with status quo. Sure. Um, you know, it, it always is easier. I'm sure to stay that way, but I think I just wanted more for my life. 
Mm-hmm. And I just saw that, that, and I, I just didn't want my kids to keep going through that and seeing that. And of we course. both agreed, you know, we had, we had gone through and kind of split things up in the household, um, walk through and figured out who would take what we had. Um, you know, we sat on the back porch one night and I'll, I'll never forget this. And we both were crying watching the kids jump on the trampoline and saying, we will both never be able to experience this at the yeah. same time, you know, fully with our kids because it's going to now be 50, 50. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there was some, there was rough patches as always, as you go through a divorce. Um, when I filed for the separation, I had a very bad attorney that, that recommended some very bad legal advice, I guess I should say, um, and told me to move out that day when I filed for the divorce. And I would take my kids with me. So I wasn't abandoning them. And so I had to put a new address on what I filed. Otherwise, I'd have to stay with him in that house until we were done with our divorce. Uh Learning that there are now other options. That was not an option that that could have been viable Mm -hmm. Uh, um, at that point. I guess there was other options. So anyways... um, you know, when I filed, I, I did pick the kids up. They were, you know, in STEM camp and horse camp. I did pick the kids up. Um, I moved out. I had some friends. I had some family help me move out that day when I filed. And I did what the attorney says. And, and at the time, you don't know any different because you've never done it before. Right. And we didn't have yeah. anybody to refer to that, that, that if it was right or wrong. Right. Because we've never had that go, go on in our family. And why, and so, why did they recommend that you move out as compared to he move out? So um, I don't know that answer. I do know that I remember my attorney asking me, are you going to stay in the household? And I said, no, because that was not something that I could financially afford. Mm-hmm. So at that point, that was when he advised me to move out then. Mm-hmm. Um, took the kids up to my parents' house. And, um, all of their stuff that I had was hidden. I had just packed an overnight bag for them. I said, Hey, we're going to go up to grandma and grandpa's. We're going to swim in the pool. We're going to order some pizza. And, you know, when we got up there, I said, you know what? We're just going to spend the night tonight. We'd already talked about to the kids that dad and I were separating. We had that conversation with them. That was hard, obviously, Mm -hmm. but they knew that things weren't good. So they, they were okay with it. They didn't question too much staying at grandma and grandpa's and, spending the night. Um, you know, looking back, I don't know if that was the right thing to do. You know, I don't know if it was right to not tell them everything, right? You have to filter what you tell the children and what's really going on. Based so at the on, time based on their maturity and their developmental level, of course. Correct. Correct. So uh fast forward a couple of months, I got my own place. Um the kids helped me pick it out. Um, you know, when I went up to move in with my parents, it was also where my ex's parents lived and where he worked about five minutes away. So in my mind, it made sense that both grandparents are there. That's create stability. And dad's shop is there. It was not convenient for me. It's not where I wanted to live as a single person, <laughs> single mm-hmm. woman in that um, rural area. But it was best, I thought, for my kids. For the kids. Yep. For the kids. It was the best. Um, court stepped in. And that's when things headed south. So the court stepped in. They assigned a guardian ad litem, which is an attorney that represents the best interest of the children. 
in Ohio. And when and why did they, in, why did they do that? Um, because my ex had asked for a guardian ad litem. And so when that happens, the guardian ad litem is assigned through the court. So, so um, he, he asked for that for what reason? He thought that something well, was wrong with what you were doing? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Very much did. Yes. Thought I was taking the kids. He would never see them again. You know, making the wrong moves. Um, and, and, you know, at the time, to- at the time, I, I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, maybe that was what he was thinking that would protect him. Uh huh. That maybe, maybe you would take him and not have, not let him have access to the kids. Correct. Yes. Yes. Now there was a waiting period until the temporary orders were issued where uh my attorney had advised that they not see their dad. I didn't agree with that. Um, But he agreed. He said that, you know, he advised they not see their dad because dad could take them and run with them. Right. So it's always the what's the other part are you going to do? Right? right. If we would be mature about it, we would we would know that we could just handle this together. Well, and if you would say what's in the best interest for the kids. Right. Have both parents. I mean, if, as long as the as long as the other parent is not being abusive. Right. Right. And and there was nothing at that point that, you know, at that like time that stated that. Yeah. Yeah. They were fine. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was legal. It was really just a battle over custody at that point that was starting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so the guardian and litem stepped in and he said, I think the kids need to move back to the house that they grew up in with their dad, awarded him custody and gave me 24 hours to move closer to them. So I would have 50, 50 visitation. Otherwise I would see them two weekends a month because I lived too far. 30 minutes was too far for me to pick the kids up after school and take them back. Even though you moved there so that he could be close yes. to the kids. I mean, to his yes. work. Yes. Yes. You must have been freaking out. Um, yes and no. It's crazy. You know, I fell apart when I found out what was going on in our marriage. Uh-huh. And I, you know, did one of those cries on the floor and I had to pick myself up. Like I, you know, the sobbing just mm-hmm. can't control it. Um, you know, I called off work sick one day and I went on a run. I'm not a runner. <laughs> I went on a run to try to clear my head. Uh-huh. So I had already those meltdowns. And I think because it was already challenging and I um just the strength that I have and the perseverance, I thought, okay. There wasn't time to freak out. I had 24 hours to figure this out and you move somewhere to go and secure an address. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I did. I had a friend. Um, and within 24 hours, I had a house, um, signed lease, um, got out of my other lease and moved all my stuff with the help of friends and family. Wow. wow. Um, before noon the next day, my whole house was set up and I took pictures and sent it to them so that I could have 50-50 visitation with the kids. But you didn't get that. Um, I did. Um, I did for about a year. Now there mm-hmm. wasn't a point where there wasn't struggles, right? Um, your typical divorce and it, it's manipulation that you don't really see. And people ask me now, did I see that in my marriage before? And I, I don't think he was manipulating at that point. And I'm not even sure that he realized he was manipulating the children when he was doing it. 
mm-hmm. I, I just think it was subconsciously. So it wasn't, oh my gosh, you hate your mom. She's just a horrible person. You know, he's going to talk bad about. No, it wasn't that. It was, oh, are you sure you really want to go to your mom's? And then when mm-hmm. they came back from, you know, my house, are you sure you were okay? Were you, were you scared at all? You know, did you like, like planting seeds, time? Like yes. planting seeds in their head? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you have a horrible time? You know, did anybody attack you or say anything mean to you or, oh yeah, all these questions. So what that does is create doubt in the children's and head yeah, and insecurity. The so kids. then the doubt and the insecurity turn into fear. Uh-huh. And then who are they fearing? Their mom. And they don't even know. They don't, they don't even know why anymore. And that's how the manipulation started. And that is um, not in the best interest of the children. It is not. It is not. You know, and one thing I wanted to show my children when after the divorce or after the separation, I should say, because we didn't get divorced for three years. It took three years to finalize our divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I wanted to show them I was strong. I was able to do it on my own. I'll be okay. You don't have to worry about your mom. Mm -hmm. The opposite was shown for my ex. Um, at one point he was crying so much. The, I remember my oldest saying, dad cries every day. He's so sad. He just cries and cries and cries. And so I'm afraid to leave him because he's sad and he doesn't have anybody else. Well, again, that's my, and, that, and how, and how old was your son at the time? 10. 10. So a 10 year old saying, I can't leave dad because he's too sad. Yes. Yes. And then another instance is like, when the, like the child becoming the parent. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. And then another time when my youngest son came to my house and started crying and said, can I call dad? And I said, well, why? And, you know, I was kind of upbeat and I'm like, why do you want to call dad? And I said, you know, is something wrong here? He goes, no, but dad is, um, he goes, dad, you know, passed out, um, at the store the other day and hit his head and we're worried about him because he wasn't taking care of himself because he was upset that a girlfriend broke up with him. And I said, oh, okay. And I was kind of shocked. And I said, well, don't you ever worry about me trying to make light of the situation? And he goes, no, mom, you have friends. You go work out. You have a good job. He goes, I don't worry about you. I'm like, oh, so this was a big turning point for me to realize the psychological abuse that was going on and the manipulation and I did a lot of reading and a lot of research at that point, which really helped me Mm -hmm. because I understood the the alignment with one parent. And it's usually the weaker at this point when it's severe alienation. So it's the weaker parent that they align with because they know over here, the strong parent is going to be be okay. okay. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, it really just gave um, validation to that. Wow. This happens a lot, doesn't it? 22 million Americans, at least. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Wow. You'd be surprised when I started to share my story and open up a little bit because I thought I can't be alone. I had I so many people reach out to me, even past America. Um, I'm talking to people in Germany, Australia, the UK. It's uh-huh. It happens. And the problem is the court systems aren't set up to handle psychological abuse. Mm-hmm. And it's not something they can physically see. Right. So because of that, everybody gets scared and backs off and says, oh, not my call. You know, we went through reunification counseling, all of that. They're like, oh, we can't really, you know, determine this. So they start the process. But because 
they allow that start of the process, it then just evolves into um, not seeing your kids for years. Why can't there be some sort of not, I don't know if it's mediation is the right word, but some sort of therapeutic intervention to figure out what's in the best interest of the kids. Because, because if there's abuse, mm-hmm. if there's any sort of abuse mm-hmm. or manipulation, mm-hmm. um, an outside party needs to be able to see that because you're obviously, if the parents are getting divorced and not getting along and not, not doing things in the best interests of the kids, there's always going to be a difference of opinion and a difference Correct. of perspective. And it's going to be like, he said, she said. Yep. That's so, on. That's what the guardian's supposed to be doing. Uh huh. Right. And stepping in, but the guardian are only attorneys. They're not qualified. They're not, in, they're not therapists no. or psychologists or anything. No. Psychiatrists. No. no. So then you have to get a court order, which takes usually typically a long time to get Uh a court order and a court approved psychologist or therapist. And they're all um, for the lack of better terms in the same bed together. So they'll pick a friend and Mm -hmm. that friend might not be qualified in seeing these things. And so instead they're also manipulated by the manipulator, which is crazy to me. Um, My kids were getting therapy from individual counselors. And I had a feeling that something was going on. I was never called for my opinion. I was never called, um, you know, to get my side of the story. Uh And I kind of had a feeling something was going on. Another therapist stepped in and she did validate what I was seeing. And she said, you're right. The kids are better without going to that therapist because they were doing more damage. The guardian also saw that and put it in his report that they were doing more damage. But unfortunately, they were allowed to go to that therapist for eight months because so bizarre. I know, which is crazy, which is crazy. But when you come in and you make um, false allegations of abuse, which is what he did, Uh then you get a protection order and then everybody goes, oh, wait, she beat the kids just because he said so. Wait, let everybody take a step back. Now, I don't want to be the one that, you know, says she didn't beat the kids. Um, which is what happens. Um, I was actually just on our podcast had Joe Cordell. He is the mm-hmm. founder of Cordell and Cordell Associates. They represent men's rights. Uh-huh. And he was saying the protection order is used as a weapon in divorces because once you file that protection order, you can file it on presumption of anything happened, right? Of something mm-hmm. happened, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have evidence. You can file the protection order. And at that point you can drag it out through court long enough that you will have the kids by yourself and you can create that manipulation. And so a lot of men, do you, do you find that more men are alienated than women? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. I do. I don't think men knew how to handle it before. So they would stop fighting. I mean, it's, it costs a lot of money. I've spoke, spoken to people that spent $400,000 and years of their life trying who to can, fight Who can kids. afford $400,000? Right. Right. So once you get to the point where you can't afford something and maybe it's $5,000, you can't afford to fight for your kids. You have to walk away. And unfortunately that's the way it is. And you just hope they come back to you. So how how old are your kids now, Kendra? 15 and 11. All right. And you still have not seen them? No, no. 
So where, so, where are you in this process? Like what's, what's it going to take for you to see your kids? Um, I've had to make the decision, which is very hard, but to love my children differently. And so I'm stepping away. And the reason I'm stepping away is because one, they're into their teenage years and you probably know this from being a therapist, their hormones kick in. Things are a little different. They've already aligned. They've already been manipulated. Um, I have no contact with them. They block me. Um, I show up to one of their events a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago now. And my youngest sends me a message and says, we don't need you anymore. We have a new mom. Granted, it's their third mom now. Mm. They have a new mom and you need to leave immediately. I hate you. Fuck off. He's 11. Now he's sending this text message in between sitting between his dad and grandparents. So it's not just one person. It's encouraged by the whole family. That's awful. Yes. And, and it was crazy because I was so involved in the school. I was in the PTO. I was at their Halloween parties. I threw a Halloween party for my kids, you know, when we were married and had all their friends over, we had birthday parties that were like, ninja themed and it was just fun we just did so many fun things and to take a mom that was so involved in their lives and separate them like that and manipulate them i pray that they will remember one day what it was like to have me as their mom Mm -hmm. and not believe all the lies that they've been fed and so i mean because the way that they're acting which teenagers they always tell their parents to fuck off. That's nothing like, that's yes. not a big deal. Yep. <laughs> I've had my kids say that many times to me <laughs> uh, because that's just being a teenager. Yes. Um, but the, the way that your kid responded to you was like, you had beat the shit out of him numerous times and he never wanted to have anything, you know, to do with you in, mm-hmm. in his life. And that to me, his total manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. like we had a so, great relationship. So like the dad, <laughs> your former mm-hmm. husband is feeding them all of these lies and planting seeds of doubt so that they question you like, well, did mom beat us or did mom abuse us or like, it doesn't make any sense. So we went on a vacation I took my oldest son's phone as punishment. Mm -hmm. He went home and told his dad, I'm mad at mom because she took my phone. He was like, Oh, well, did she beat you? Yep. Made up many, many lies. And that's what started it. So he filed a protection order because of that accusation. So that was fought in domestic court for about 11 months. I had a no, I had a protection order. That means that not even my family could reach out to them because if my family reached out to them and it would be interpreted or my ex would say, again, it's hearsay in court that, you know, your mom loves you or your mom's thinking of you. They couldn't say anything to that effect with a protection order. So at that point, he cut off all of my family. Fast forward in domestic court when we went to prove the evidence and we were in court and I was fighting it because I was not laying down and saying, yes, I did this when I didn't. Yeah, of course not. Um, went to fight it and he actually withdrew it 
And I said, can't we still go on a trial? And I tell my story and document it. And my attorney said, no, when he withdraws it, it's done. So he agreed then. My ex dropped it, agreed back to 50-50. I would see the kids based on court recommendations. We would slowly re-engage. So supervised visitation. Then you go to you know, um, four hours a day, and then you go to a weekend, and then you go to, you know, a week, you build back up to that. Based and, if on any, and, and if anybody supervised you, they would see that you have a normal relationship with your kids. Right. Right. Um, unfortunately, the, again, um, attorney that I had allowed the supervision to be my ex-father-in-law. What? <laughs> and the court allowed that. What? So, yes. That's um, biased. Yes. Yes. Are you kidding me, Kendra? This yes. is ridiculous. So that only lasted for several <clears throat> months. I filed a motion, obviously, stating, you know, the issues we were having. So then they assigned. You can't have a biased supervisor. Yes. Right. You can't have a family member as a supervisor. You need to have somebody, some court appointed, somebody, neutral third party that comes and has a realistic perspective of what's yes. really going on in your life. Yes. As opposed to (laughs) somebody that's just going to back up your former husband's accusations and allegations. Yes. Yes. So fast forward, we got that third party person. Everything went well, got to 50, 50. Um, I would pick up my youngest son. So the way it was written is my oldest son was supposed to have therapy with me. We're supposed to have reunification counseling. It never happened. He never implemented it. But at the time I was working with my youngest son to create that relationship. Right. So I can only focus kind of on one thing at a time. If he wasn't going to do his job and I couldn't force him to do it, then I I was going to focus on having that time with my youngest son. So our relationship grew. Um, Signs that I saw where I needed to back off again as a parent is when he got in the car and told me that the elf wrote him a horrible note around Christmas time, right? Elf on the shelf. The elf wrote him a horrible note and said that he was a bad person. And he, he refused to call the girlfriend mom. So he was getting punished. There was all presents for the kids underneath the tree, except for him. He didn't have any presents. He was peeing the bed. Obviously there was some yeah, psychological stress, things going yeah, on. Of course. Poor little thing. And he was peeing the bed and as punishment, he would have to wash everybody's clothes in the house. So they had five kids between both of them. Uh-huh. And so he was having to do laundry. And so I'll never forget when he got in the car and was telling me these things and was crying. Uh-huh. I thought, okay, it's better right now for me to love him where he's at and not create this stress. He's not getting abused other than emotionally. And he's only getting abused when he's coming with me. So if he stays in in that household and he has to survive in that household, then I have to respect that maybe it's not great for him to see me right now so that it doesn't cause extra stress. So that was where I had to draw the line and say, it's just better for him to survive. If I'm not going to keep doing this pulling thing and playing with his head and him going through the emotional trauma when he gets back to that house. Mm hmm. He was the only one that fought for me for about a year and a half. He's my strong one. He knew I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and then he eventually gave in and so turned. sorry, Kendra. Yeah. Is- you know, it was even crazier. So after um, my ex filed the, um, the charges and then he dropped them right in domestic court. We got divorced in February of 2021. In March of 2021, he filed criminal charges. 
and tried to come after me for the same accusations. What that did was put a um, no contact order in place, like the protection order again. And so I didn't get to see my kids again for another nine months while this was being fought out through court. We get to a week before the trial because I said, I am not, I'm, I'm not the prosecutor wanted me to agree to, um, um, you know, lesser charges and things. And I said, absolutely. I didn't do any of this. That's right. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So anyways, we get to a week before the depositions were heard and the depositions were taken of both of my sons and my ex. And at the time I couldn't hear the depositions, uh-huh. but I was sent audio later. They were completely different stories. I mean, all completely different stories from where the abuse took place, you know, in the staging and trying to explain what was going on and who was in the room to what actually happened. And I, the thing that hit me the most was my, my oldest son who was the accuser. All he kept saying is, I don't remember. I don't remember. And then he would say, they would ask him certain questions that his dad had said, well, she did this and she did that. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't, I don't think she did any of that. I don't think she did that. She didn't hurt my arm. She didn't break my arm. I didn't have surgery. And then my ex gets on the deposition and swears that he had surgery. My attorney pulled up the documentation says, no, he had an MRI done and there was nothing wrong. It showed, you know, no damage to the shoulder that you're claiming. He's like, did he have surgery? He goes, yes. He goes, wouldn't your oldest boy remember if he had surgery or went through, you know, it was put out in a hospital, right? In a bed. He goes, no, probably not. He goes, really? Because he's 14 at the time. And he said, I, I don't understand. So anyways, the prosecutor dropped it. But Again, going back to what the attorney said that owns law firms in 40 states, a protection order and a no contact order keeps the kids away long enough and drags it out that you can manipulate. So as long as you have some form of false allegations that you're accusing until it's proven, you get the kids. Wow. So that is what has happened. So how are you taking this? (laughs) And using it to help other people. This is, this is huge, Kendra. Like, I, 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 I'm, I can't believe that this happens. Like, from my perspective, when I got divorced, I said to my kids, I want you to have a relationship with your dad Mm -hmm. because he did not have a relationship with his dad. His dad Mm -hmm. left when he was 13. And I believe that many of his issues, you know, and many of his struggles are related to that fact. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I don't want you kids to grow up in the same way. I don't Mm -hmm. want you living that same legacy. It's like, Mm -hmm. I want your dad to break this cycle. I want you guys to break this cycle because Mm -hmm. we all, we all want to be loved and cared for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We all want to be accepted. We all are both a part of our mom and dad. And if mm-hmm. one person is demonized, then the kid says, which part of me is bad? Like mm-hmm. your son, I'm bad. Mm-hmm. I'm bad if I go hang out with mom, I'm bad. Mm-hmm. Like for a child to deal with the um, the insecurities 
the insecurities and the manipulations of the adult mm-hmm. is not okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we protect our kids? How do we protect our kids and keep them from being the scapegoat mm-hmm. or the pawn or the, you know, the tool for manipulation mm-hmm. in order to hurt the other parent? Mm-hmm. It's hard. And, and that's, I think, what everybody struggles with is it happens more often than not. I think years before you had asked me about men experiencing this. I do. Mm-hmm. I think they were accused of abuse and automatically just, oh, okay, they abused them, right? Physically. I remember Children's Services coming out to interview me and I said, this is just a contested custody case, like highly contested. I said, so what if my kid falls down over there and gets a bruise? And she goes, we need to take a picture. I said, well, that bruise might not show up for two or three days later. And he's at his dad's house. And she goes, oh, right. I I don't know. But physical abuse is more shown. So they can take anything and say, um, yeah, the kid abused. (laughs) The kid. The right. kid comes home with bruises and breaks and sprains and right. you know, all the time. So Sports I think related. the judges and the court system just thought the men did this. Right. And I mm-hmm. now looking back, I will never question somebody that doesn't have a relationship with their kids after a divorce because you never know what has gone on and how much they've tried to fight for them or have gone through. And finally, you just go, what is really in the best interest of my kids? How can I best love my kids? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's letting go so that they're not in between that struggle all the time. My, my question, though, from the kids' perspective is, are they going to grow up and think, well, mom just abandoned me? You know, and you take that risk. I send cards. I send boxes of memories and photos. I don't send gifts or money, but I send a lot of memories, mm-hmm. stuffed animals, different things that I have. I don't know if they're making it to them. They can be intercepted and they, they're not getting them. So right. no matter what I do, they still might think that I abandoned them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I take pictures of what I send so that I have records. So if they ever do come to me and say, Hey, you know, I, I think you abandoned me. Why did you do this? I have the proof that I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was always trying to reach out. And you don't, I mean, what's your hope? What's your hope? One day they'll mature and they'll start questioning what, why they chose to leave their mom or why they don't have a relationship with their mom and, and just start realizing on their own. Mm-hmm. And you, you would, believe it or not, there's way more cases out there than what you think where that happens. But they have to mature. And they have to get out from the control of that manipulator. Right. So it could be age 18 when they decide to move out on their own or or be age 25, or it could be, you know, when they decide to get married and they have a partner and then that partner's going, why don't you have a relationship with your mom and kind of questioning. And when they don't have a reason, you know, so it can happen in different stages of when they're growing up. Mm -hmm. So are you, how are you doing? um, How are you hoping to change the court system? I'm hoping by telling my story, by working with the National Parents Organization, by working with my local representative and telling my story in the Supreme Court 
that the law will change. We've gone through 180 pages, I think, of the law mm-hmm. and worked to rewrite it so that when you do separate, it's automatically 50-50. It removes the attorneys. It removes the guardian and litems. And instead of saying one person gets custody and the other person gets visitation, one they would be equal. And you would have to prove in court with valid evidence of why that person should not be 50-50. So whether they are um, mentally unstable, abusing drugs, abusive, you would have to prove that versus just an assumption. So we're rewriting the law. And so how, because I, because I'm guessing, um, well, I, I, I was just, I was just thinking that if there is abuse, if there is abuse, especially, you know, I mean, physical abuse, um, or, or whatever, how long does a kid have to be abused in order before they can be protected? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I understand if there is actual abuse happening, that of right. course you want to protect the kid immediately. Yes. So how, how can the court system do it in a quicker way mm-hmm. to protect the best interests of the kid mm-hmm. who can't fight for themselves, mm-hmm. you know, against parents who are mm-hmm. fighting against mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's something the court is going to have to figure out. Um, they're going to have to figure out how to make quicker decisions and take care of these children quicker than what they are. Because it seems like everything gets hung up mm-hmm. uh, months and months. I mean, you said months and months and months go by till mm-hmm. something happens. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. here you are left mm-hmm. <laughs> alone. You want to be mm-hmm. with your kids. You, you know, you love your kids, obviously. Yes. And you've done nothing wrong. Right. But now I have to, Don, it's, it's very interesting. I have to make sure I have boundaries for when they do come back. And so that's one thing I'm doing to educate myself is working with different people to understand how to create those boundaries for myself. Because on depending on when they come back, they know how to play the game. Mm-hmm. They know how to accuse and get what they want. And so I've been hurt, even though they've been hurt. I've also been hurt from it. Oh, and so I have to very kind of, hurt from it. Yes. So I have to protect myself too, if that makes sense on some of the choices that I make. So it's not just when they come back, I drop everything and run to them and let them move back into my house or right. there has to be some boundaries mm, because right. it's, it's, been a lot of damage done um and it's learning again to love them a different way i'm so glad i had them when i was younger and i had all those experiences and i have all those memories and i look through photos all the time and you know i've gone through i think i said therapy life coach um horses you know equine therapy on and off different anxiety medications, just trying to help myself to get through this. It's a really yeah. a struggle. And I, and I share that because it, I know people out there are going through it and they're yeah. not talking to anybody. And it's, it's hard. It, it Isolating. is so hard. I've gone through seven attorneys. I've spent $150,000 and I'm now deciding to go on my own. And the reason I'm going on my own is because I'm going to be filing grievances and sanctions against all the, the guardian ad litem. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. The judges, the magistrate, everybody that has prolonged this. And 
made it so that I don't have a relationship with my kids. Yeah. I mean, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. I can't, I mean, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't imagine what you have been going through because the thought of me not having a relationship with my kids is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And it's not just me. It's my whole family. Your whole family. My whole family. They don't have grandparents. They've been alienated. Yes. They don't have grandparents, great grandparents, aunts, uncles. They've alienated all of them. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. All based on lies. Yes. Yes. I, I, I keep hoping, thinking, praying Mm -hmm. for you. The truth shall prevail. It will. The truth shall prevail at some point. But while you're going through this, yeah. Oh my gosh, Kendra. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you say to other parents who are in your similar situation? (laughs) You're not alone. Reach out. You're not alone. There's other people that are going through it, even though they might not talk about it. But the more you talk about it, the better you are. Mm -hmm. Find what works for you to heal and to work through it. And you have to eventually draw a line in the sand and say, okay, that was my life, but I still have to have a life and I still have to enjoy life. You still have time here. You know, a a couple of months ago, my dad had a cardiac event is what they call it. A cardiac arrest. His Mm -hmm. heart stopped. I was standing there next to him along with my boyfriend when it happened. And he went down slowly and he started convulsing. He started snoring. Um, and we knew something was wrong. We mentioned, we immediately started CPR, chest compressions. Mm-hmm. They worked on him for an hour and 45 minutes to make a long story short. I thought my dad died four times. I lay there and talked to him when his eyes were wide open and I didn't know if he was alive or dead. And I just kept talking to him and it changed such a perspective of life for all of us. He came out of it. He was given a 2.5% chance of survival with no brain damage. And he was that 2%. He came out of it. Wow. And it's changed life for all of us to look at it a little differently. So as much as I want to fight for my kids, it's time for me to have a life too. And so I would recommend that to parents too. You've got to kind of move on. You've got to have a life. Um, I'm so sorry, Kendra. (laughs) I cannot imagine how this has been for you. And I cannot imagine all these parents who are experiencing a similar situation of being forcefully pushed away from their kids that they love. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's horrible. It's not okay. The, the best way to explain it, I've, I've had a grandparent die. I've never had a child die. But the best way for me to explain it to somebody that doesn't understand all of this and which if you, you've never gone through it, you're not going to understand the protection order. You're going to make assumptions. But if you've gone through it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If the, I grieve my kids as though they die over and over and over again, especially when I was seeing them for a little bit mm-hmm. and then they would be pulled away again. It was just the grieving process over and over. And so it's, I wish I would have a time frame in which they, they were dead, if that makes sense. Like a, I'm not saying they were dead, but I wish they had a time frame in which I could say, draw a line and say, and this was it, right? 
and grieve and move on. I just keep grieving and grieving and grieving because yeah. it's just, it's just to me like they're dying over and like over. little deaths. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it yeah. is the worst experience. It's yeah. horrible. It's horrible. And I will have very bad days where I'm very depressed. And then I will have days where I pick myself up and, and move on and use it to make change in the positive. And this is, this is the challenge. Mm-hmm. This is the challenge is because as, when you were speaking earlier, I thought, is there uh, a national organization for alienated parents? So there's not a national organization. There's several organizations that are very aware of it and are trying again to change the law Um, Uh in Tennessee or I'm sorry, in Kentucky, this has happened. Arkansas, several other states are working to change the law and Kentucky actually has changed the law to 50 50 after separation. They have seen less criminal accusations. They've seen less in domestic courts and they've seen less arguing between parents where they're bringing in for custody battles Mm -hmm. because of that. So there are things changing, but there's nothing out there for alienation specifically as an organization. Now there's lots of support groups on Facebook. You can find a ton of them and there's lots of movement to, to make noise about this, to say, this is wrong. We have to stop this. It is wrong. I mean, unless the kid's safety, which the other parent who can accuse that, <laughs> I'm concerned about my kid's safety. That's mm-hmm. like, that's why there needs to be an objective third mm-hmm. party, not mm-hmm. your former spouse's parent mm-hmm. or relative or best friend. It needs to be some neutral third party that can make an informed decision, not even maybe after one meeting, but maybe have like three meetings or some, you know, minimum requirement of seeing what's really going on and, um, you know, some sort of supervised uh, and actually maybe it should be a surprise. <laughs> We're going to come by at any time. So you mm-hmm. have no idea when they're coming. So you can't pretend or act yep. or whatever. Yep. Um, so that, so that the kids are protected from both parties mm-hmm. Because you can't have this, these lies and manipulations ruling these children's lives. Yeah. And there was so many times that I welcome that, right? Because when you're innocent, I welcome that. Come whatever time. Right. Come whatever time. I have nothing to hide. Yeah. And my ex would, um, call the police station, local police station and do wellness checks. And so they would come out and do a wellness check. And I don't know how many times the police were there. And I finally said, can you call my ex and explain to them that his son is okay. He can stop calling and harassing me. Um, my ex called the cop several more times um, in concern with him. And the cop finally, he looked at me and he said, I'm recording this on my video. You need to take this to court because your child's defiant And he goes, and I'm telling him right now that he's not playing this game back and forth. You're playing the game. And he, you know, he would look at my son and say, you're playing the game. You cannot play the game between I want to go to dad's house. I want to go to your, you're here. You're fine. You're safe. (laughs) We've made sure everything's totally fine. Uh And they, they said, um, you got to use that in court, but I never got to court. I just kept getting accused. And that's the problem. Yeah. With no, no, um, basis. Yes. With no basis. Yes. So where's your book? (laughs) Where's your parents group? I mean, I'm just seeing you're creating this huge movement 
to help protect the rights of innocent parents. Yep. And it's funny you mentioned a book. I've been working on that for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's in the works. <clears throat> um, I want to make sure it's right before I release it. And I want to make sure it's helpful for parents uh-huh. the way that I'm wording it. Um, parents groups. I have people reach out to me. I haven't started one. That's a great idea. They can reach out on me to me through my faith or through my website, which is um, speak life into strife.com. Which so explains my situation and unfortunately so many others. And I just, I pray for the parents that know you're not alone. It, it, It will get better. It will get better for all of us. I still have hopes that I will see my children one day. I hope so. I hope, I hope that for you. I hope that for all innocent parents, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just like protecting, <clears throat> excuse me, protecting the rights of the innocent, yeah. you know, as opposed to um, protecting the perpetrators mm-hmm. <laughs> of mm-hmm. the manipulation and abuse. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's because it's psychological and it's emotional. It's so hard to prove. Uh-huh. Physical is easy. You see something wrong with them. Okay. Right. 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 But the underlying, I mean, there's... <laughs> I'm a systems person, <laughs> you know, so, so I think, okay, what happened in your past, in your former husband's childhood and how did he get to be this way? And why is he, you know, like all the lies and manipulation, you know, mm-hmm. because he was afraid because you're the strong one, mm-hmm. you're the strong one. Mm-hmm. So you can deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, ultimately it's hurting your kids mm-hmm. and creating, um, mm-hmm. And creating this negative viewpoint of you as a person, mm-hmm. you as a mom, you as a former wife, mm-hmm. you know, all the ways that their perspective has been skewed by his own lies and manipulation. Mm-hmm. It's not, you okay. know, what hurts for me too is how my children will grow up to have a partner and what, you know, how that affects their relationships and their life moving forward. Mm hmm. I hope, I hope that someday y'all can get therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> together. Reunification, right? Reunification mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. Some sort of, some sort of guidance that can, and I hope your kids wake up. Yep. I hope your kids have the opportunity to say, wait a second. Yep. And I, I think reunification right. counseling has to be at the right time. So there's lots of, of parents that's reached out to me that, have tried it. And when it's court ordered, um, it's you're checking a box. We tried uh-huh. reunification counseling and the counselor wanted me to connect with my ex and us to get along first and show the kids that we can get along before I saw the kids. And I said, this is, this That's is going to happen. No, Mm-mm. that's why we it's got divorced. Happen. You're, right? Yeah. Your former husband <laughs> has been very abusive towards you. Yes. And that's what my attorney tried to explain. Like I've been emotionally abused by him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have to have the right person. It has to be the right time. And they have to understand what alienation is and what the manipulation is. And you have to be able to take that manipulator out of the equation. And so I think that's why we have to wait until the kids get a little older so they mature uh-huh. so they can take them out on their own uh-huh. and create a relationship the way they want um, uh-huh. with that parent. Uh-huh. And so your hope, and, and this goes back to... <laughs> The very beginning, like how you take care of yourself. How do you love yourself? How do you still believe in yourself mm-hmm. and know that and trust that you didn't do anything wrong? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that you're a good enough parent, even though you're put in this situation. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And how do you, how do you give hope to the listeners? <laughs> that are that, that's tough. Struggling? That's tough, Don. Um, there's days that I question if I was a good mom, right? There's days that I question if I'm doing the right thing. Always, always. I would say just have faith and trust your gut is what's gotten me through. Mm-hmm. And surround yourself with people that love and believe in you. Yes. And want to yes. fight for you with you, <laughs> not yes. against you. Yes. Fighting never resolves anything. Yeah, it doesn't. And, you know, that's one thing that I said to my kids. It's like, you know, your dad's not perfect. I'm not perfect because we're human mm-hmm. and we all deserve compassion Mm-hmm. And we all deserve forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And what you choose as an adult, you know, the relationship that you choose with either parent is your choice. And I hope, I hope for you that your kids will eventually choose you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. As valuable in their life, mm-hmm. even though they've been brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so Me sorry too. you've gone through this, Kendra. Yes, it's been tough learning to love your kids a different way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been very tough and learning to learn love yourself, like you said, right? It's it's very different. Yeah, because you would doubt yourself and question, what did I do wrong? What's yes. the matter with me? I'm not good enough, you know, yep. et cetera, et cetera. God, why are you punishing me? There's a lot of the uh-huh. thoughts that goes through my mind. Uh huh. I, I think there's something huge for you on this, on the other side, because I feel like our greatest source of suffering is, becomes, <laughs> becomes the way that we change things for the better. Yes. In our own. That's what life. one of my therapists said. You know, he said, you took your mess and you made it a blessing for others. Mm-hmm. And, he goes, I really think that has helped you rather than just live in it every day. You're doing yeah. something good for the community and change. Yeah. And that hopefully your kids, when they are mature enough mm-hmm. to see what comes out of this from you, mm-hmm. your strength and your resilience and your wanting to bless others in this way that you have been hurt. Mm-hmm that hopefully they will recognize mm-hmm. your love yeah. for them. Yep. Because this whole time you've been fighting for them. Yes. Whereas you know, it was very, yeah. very interesting. One of the last reunification sessions we have, and I put that in air quotes because I never reunified with the boys, uh-huh. but the counselor was having separate meetings with the boys and then myself, and then trying to get me to connect with my ex as well and having meetings with us. And I asked her, I said, I'm done. I'm done with this process. I'm not going to make amends with my ex to see my boys. This is yeah, between no. me and my kids. The, right. You're not, you're not getting us to re-engage in marriage. So <laughs> this is separate. Um, I had asked her, I said, can you just read them a letter, please? I said, if it's the last time that they hear from me, can you read them this letter? And I wrote a letter to my kids and she assured me she read it to them. 
that I will always be for them. They're here for them. The door is always open. I will always love them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And they can come back when they're ready. Mm-hmm. They'll hear it someday. Yep. Okay. So this is, um, this, this might be a hard question. This is a question that I ask. And because you, you're still in the midst mm-hmm. of the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to honor you for your journey. I can't imagine how challenging this is for you and millions, 22 million other parents mm-hmm. that are experiencing this same sense of separation and betrayal, not only from their former spouse, but from their kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's messy and it's complicated. Mm-hmm. But the question I always ask is, how do you define real love? Mm. How do you define real love in this moment, Kendra? Oh, that's a deep question. You're right. It's tough. Um, real love is looking past everything that's happening. It's unconditional, right? It's, it's looking past everything that's happening and I will still love them when they come on my doorstep. It might be love with boundaries, but it's real love and it's real and raw emotion that will happen that day. And about love for yourself, love for myself, real love, finding purpose in life for me and just knowing I'm worthy. I'm God's child. That's um, my, my mantra of my podcast is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that no matter what you've been through, you're worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And you are. Mm-hmm. You are. I'm really sorry that you've had to go through this. Oh, thank you, Don. Thank you for sharing your story and giving hope for all the other parents out there. Yes. Yes. How, how can people inspired. get? In, how can people get in touch with you, Kendra? The easiest way is going to my website. Um, again, speak, um, <laughs> now I've totally lost it. <laughs> we were deep connecting there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speak life into strife and my emails on there, my Instagram, uh, Facebook, there's a form they can fill out as well. They can always find me on any of the social media platforms as well and reach out. Don't, don't hesitate to reach out. I get 20 messages a day easily. Yeah. Yeah. From parents. Yeah. So you have a big purpose in this. Yes. I'm sorry that you're having to go through this and you have a big purpose in this. I mean, you, you are changing the laws in order to protect the kids, the rights of the kids. Yep. Cause the kids don't have a voice except what's been spoken through, you know, through right. to them, through them. Right. So in order to prevent the manipulation. Yes. And protect the innocence of the kids. And then when the kids are adults, then the kids can make their own decisions for themselves. Yep. So thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for continuing to find purpose in your pain. You're a blessing to other people. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll be back on here and have a positive story where we're reunited. That would be amazing. (laughs) 
I'd love to share that with you. I pray for that for you. I pray for that for you. But to keep, to keep, it's like you keep fighting for them with your heart. You know, you keep loving them from a distance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that your intentions are pure. Mm-hmm. Your intentions have always been pure, Kendra. Yep. So I want to honor you for that. Thank you. And thank you for doing the podcast, The Aftermath. Yes. Yes, I do. That's right. I do a podcast with Mick and um, he's in California. I'm in Ohio. Um, he has a similar story of alienation and losing his daughter for a few years. And so we connected and we do the podcast called The Aftermath and we have different professionals come on and talk to us about you know, how you heal after a divorce, mm-hmm. how you heal through alienation, um, you know, different things. And I know we, we had you on as a guest and that's how we met. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for doing your work. <laughs> yep. Pain into purpose. Yes. Yeah. So all of you listeners out there, <laughs> um, even if you're still in the midst of your struggles, it's like some, in some way, form, or fashion, you can turn your pain into purpose and make um, make a difference. You know, from the things that you've experienced, you change it into something that can help transform the lives of other people. And this is the hope. You know, this is the hope that um, you find meaning in your your own struggle. And you recognize that no matter what you're going through, that you are inherently worthy of also receiving love and to keep showing up from that perspective, you know, not being beaten down by somebody else's manipulations, but continuing to hold on to your own gifts and your own strength and your own resilience and your own goodness. So subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Share with your friends, share with anybody who um, is struggling with the things that Kendra is struggling with, you know, so that so that you give them hope <laughs> that there's help on help now in the moment, uh, that there's support, there's community um, and that there's there are positive changes that can be made if we stand up and speak up for the rights of people who don't have a voice. So. Thank you, Kendra, so much for being here. I honor, honor, (laughs) honor you and your journey. Well, thank you. And I hope that that your kids will wake up someday and recognize that you that you are and have always been the loving mom and person that you are. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right. Every day, listeners wake up to more and more real love. Take care, everybody. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, leave five-star reviews, and of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.